Jesus went with the twelve to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, sit here while I go over there and pray. And taking with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, he said to them, my soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch with me. And going a little farther, he fell on his face and prayed, saying, My father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. And he came to the disciples and found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, So could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Later, Jesus said, Rise, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. While he was still speaking, Judas came, one of the twelve, and with him a great crowd with swords and clubs from the chief priests and the elders of the people. Now the betrayer had given them a sign, saying, The one I kiss is the man. Seize him. And he came up to Jesus at once and said, Greetings, Rabbi. And he kissed him. Then they came up and laid hands on Jesus and seized him. Then all the disciples left him and fled.
those who had seized Jesus led him to Caiaphas, the high priest. And the high priest said to him, I adjure you by the living God, tell us if you are the Christ, the Son of God. Jesus said to him, you have said so. But I tell you, from now on, you, you will see the Son of Man seated at the high, the right high, excuse me, seated at the right hand of power and coming on the clouds of heaven. Then the high priest tore his robes and said, he has uttered blasphemy. What further witnesses do we need? What is your judgment? They answered, he deserves death. Then they spit in his face and struck him. When morning came, they bound him and led him away and delivered him to, to Pilate the governor. Now at the feast, the governor was accustomed to release for the crowd any one prisoner whom they wanted. And they said, and, and they had then a notorious prisoner called Barabbas. So when they gathered, Pilate said to them, whom do you want me to release for you, Barabbas or Jesus who is called Christ? Now the chief priests and the elders persuaded the crowd to ask for Barabbas and destroy Jesus. The governor again said to them, which of the two do you want me to release for you? And they said, Barabbas. Pilate said to them, then what shall I do with Jesus who is called Christ? They all said, let him be crucified. And he said, why, what evil has he done? But they shouted all the more, let him be crucified. Then Pilate released for them Barabbas, and having scourged Jesus, delivered him to be crucified.
Then the soldiers of the governor took Jesus into the governor's headquarters, and they gathered the whole battalion before him. And they stripped him and put a scarlet robe on him, and twisting together a crown of thorns, they put it on his head, and they put a reed in his right hand. And kneeling before him, they mocked him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews. And they spit on him and took the reed and struck him on the head. And when they had mocked him, they stripped him of the robe, and they put his own clothes on him and led him away to crucify him. And when they came to a place called Golgotha, which means place of a skull, they offered him wine to drink mixed with gall. But when he tasted it, he would not drink it. And when they had crucified him, they divided his garments among them by casting lots. Now from the sixth hour, there was darkness over all the land until the ninth hour. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. That is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. And behold, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, and the earth shook and the rocks were split. When the centurion and those who were with him, keeping watch over Jesus, saw what took place, they were filled with awe, and they said, Truly, this was the Son of God.
Now between the throne and the four living creatures and among the elders, I saw a lamb standing as though it had been slain. And he went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who was seated on the throne. And when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, each holding a harp and a golden bowl full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song saying, worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals for you were slain and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God and they shall reign on earth. Then I looked and I heard around the throne and the living creatures and the elders, the voice of many angels numbering myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands saying with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb who is slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them saying to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. And the four living creatures said, Amen. And the elders fell down and they worshiped. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. So you didn't catch what I was saying. So Revelation chapter 5, if you're at home or, uh, and you have a Bible sitting around or you got it on your phone, pull it out just real briefly. Uh, Revelation 5, where, where this text, this grand text of declaring the worth 
of, of the lamb who is slain. This is where it's found. We get a glimpse into heaven itself by the Apostle John. And, and we have this scene unfold before uh, our eyes of just who this, who this lamb figure is, this Jesus uh, figure. Uh, but this particular text has been, I think, important for, for me, and I feel as though uh, important for us as a church, specifically in this particular season, where everything is so strange, everything is so backward. Uh, for, for many of us, you know, we've been suddenly pulled out of kind of the normal routines of, of life. Um, it, it's, it's similar to James 4, where it talks about, uh, you know, the person who's planning to do all these great and wonderful things for the next so many months. We're going to go to this town and that town and sell and buy and make a profit and do all these wonderful things. And, and James says in chapter four, he's like, uh, yeah, no, like that's not the way your heart should be wired to just make plans according to your own dreams and your own wants. And, and, and he, he, he actually brings up the fact that we're actually far more frail than that. We are far more limited. We can't even plan tomorrow when it comes down to it. And, and, and the question then that has been posed to us, even in our own experience over the last so many weeks now, is like, who's in control of all of this? I think for many of us, we've, we've struck the realization we, we aren't in control. That there could be a virus that could sweep the globe and just undo everyone's routine. Um, and, and could not only undo our routine, but just strike fear in our, in our hearts. Because now we, we're beginning to know different individuals who've contracted this virus and, and different individuals who are, who are suffering at this point. And we're hearing the worst of the worst, even folks passing from this. We, we're coming to the realization that we're far more frail than we ever realized. And the question is, who truly holds our tomorrow? Revelation 5, it gives us a scene into the heavenly places where that same question is being pondered. Who will deal with tomorrow? It's this heavenly scene that the apostle John is brought into, and it's a moment where all of heaven is standing to attention and there is a holy hush in heaven. Everyone is wondering, who is going to determine tomorrow? Suddenly in this moment, John begins to weep. It, he, he breaks this heavenly silence in, in weeping. And, and, and it's in that moment that there's an elder who speaks up and says, stop weeping. Because there is someone who determines our tomorrow. There is a worthy one. And so the elder actually tells John, stop weeping and behold the lion of the tribe of Judah, for he has conquered. So what does John do? He, he takes his eyes to this, to this lion of the tribe of Judah. And what John explains is he actually doesn't see a conquering lion. What he actually sees is a lamb a sacrificial lamb. It's the idea of that, that sacrificial blood atoning for sin sacrifice. Here's the picture of, of something that is actually frail and weak, a lamb. And he doesn't only see a lamb, but what he sees is a lamb that was slain, a lamb that actually endured death, who, who actually went to kind of the altar 
who actually endured death. He was slain, but it's not just a lamb who was slain, but now this lamb is alive. This lamb is standing in the heavenly courts, and he's standing, as the elder said, in victory. He's accomplished something. He's done something uh, amazing. And in those moments, then, it's this lamb, this sacrificial lamb, who the text says is worthy to open the scroll. Now, you may say, what in the world is a scroll showing up? What's the significance of that? Well, the scroll was all the, all the judgments of God that ultimately determine our tomorrow. The, the, it's, the, it's the full realization, it's the completion of, of salvation, of redemption. Who's going to bring salvation to its full completion? Who's going to take all of our injustices and bring justice to it all? Who is going to deal with all the brokenness in, in us and around us? Who is going to bring this world to a place of perfection, of peace, once again. Who's going to do, that's why heaven is in this moment of attention and silence. Who's going to be the one who actually determines our tomorrow? Who's in control of all this? Who's going to do something about it? That's why the elder says to John, he says, behold this lion, this lion, this conquering lion who is actually a lamb, a lamb who has been slain, but a lamb who now stands alive. He is not dead. And of course, we know, we know the story. We know who this lamb is. We know who this lion is. This is Christ. This is the one who has come for us. This is the one who, as we read from the passion narrative, who has died for. He has become the sacrificial lamb. And he hasn't just done it something nice by example. He's actually suffered for us. He's gone through the experience of death on our behalf. He's done everything so that it might secure for us true salvation, true redemption. We have somewhere, folks, to take, to take our shame. We have somewhere to take our guilt. We can throw it at the feet of the worthy lamb, knowing that when we do that, he says, you are mine, I will save you, I will redeem you from your sin, from your brokenness. This conquering lion, this lamb, this slain lamb, is Christ, the one who lived for us, the one who died for us, the one who now lives for us, and the one who alone is worthy to open the scroll, to determine our tomorrow, to see the full, the fullness of God's redemption brought about. He is the only one who can actually bring heaven to earth. He is the only one who can ensure that all the promises of God will find their fulfillment for us. It is this worthy lamb who has come for us, who now stands unrivaled in heaven to ensure that all of redemption will finally and fully be realized for us. When it comes down to it, the cross was not just, as, as amazing as this is, it wasn't just, uh, sin atoning. It was all that made Jesus worthy, worthy then to bring about the 
fullness of redemption to ensure that all of heaven is realized on earth, that we actually will return one day to Eden, that all things will one day be made new again. This is who our worthy lamb is. He has suffered on our behalf, but now he stands enthroned as the one who truly determines our tomorrow. Now, maybe for you, you, you sit back and you say, I don't know about this, Jesus. Maybe church and Jesus is all kind of new stuff to you. Well, I, I, I do think and I do pray that even in a season where we are feeling our limitations, we are recognizing we're actually not in control of our life the way we thought we were. <laughs> I believe that in these times that Jesus is saying, hey, I am in control, and, and I will redeem you. I will save you if you will come to me. So I'd encourage you, just, just as the elder says to John, that you would behold this conquering lion, this one who has come for you. He has lived in your shoes. He knows your limitations. He knows our sufferings. He's died in our place, and he's been raised again for us so that all who put their trust in him might find this redemption and might entrust their lives to one who can truly determine our tomorrow. Now, maybe, maybe you say, yeah, I've, I've come to faith in Jesus, and yet I'm struggling. <laughs> I'm struggling in this season because I know I'm, I'm, I'm struggling with the fears. I'm struggling with the backward routine. I'm struggling uh, with, with just feeling our limitations. I, I, I'd struggle watching the news and and hearing all the difficulties that are going on. Once again, heaven stood to attention in this place of, a, of holy hush, wondering the same things, struggling with the same things, John weeping over the same things. Who will bring about a better tomorrow? Well, folks, I, I would encourage you once again with the same words from this elder who tells John, stop crying, stop fretting, because there is one who stands enthroned. There is a worthy lion who has conquered. He's dealt with the problem of sin and death, and as the one who now stands above all, he is the one who is worthy to open the scroll to ensure that all of God's purposes will finally and fully be realized. He will bring justice to our greatest injustices. He will eradicate evil. He will deal with all our brokenness within and without. He will, as Revelation says, make all things new. He will wipe the tears from our eyes. And therefore, as the one who isn't just kind of big and strong and imposes his strength upon us, no, he comes like a humble lamb. He loved us by giving of himself for us. And now he's the one who sits enthroned. So he's, he's not only gracious and loving, but he is a worthy savior that we can, we can place our hearts before and we can place our fears before and say, oh, oh, Spirit of God, give me eyes to behold the one who has determined for us a better tomorrow. Folks, it's this Jesus we need to set our eyes on again. And, and folks, know this, this. This is not just like, okay, well, that, that means I just need to make sure I'm doing my devotions. No, I, I, I want to challenge you during this season. 
Jesus wants to be known, not just uh, kind of known through just kind of being a little more theological or gaining a little more information here or there. It's, it's that he really wants to encounter you. He really wants your heart. In this season, it's easy. It's easy where, where kind of our, uh, our, our disciplines typically show themselves in a time where routine has been put on its head. We're, we're either going to struggle a whole lot more because we don't have all the structure that benefits us on a typical basis, you know. Uh, but it's in these times all the more then that we should, we should press in. We should seek to see. We should seek to know. We should seek to even experience our Savior in times of struggle, in times of fear. It's to look to this worthy lamb who was slain, who will determine, who has determined through what he's already accomplished, a better tomorrow for us. He's worthy of our trust. He's worthy of our dependence. And so I'd encourage you, look to him. Seek to know him better. Don't put uh, bars on expectation for what can be experienced in relationship with him. He's always calling us to deeper places. He's always calling us into his heart to know him in better ways. So behold your worthy Savior during this time. Let's pray. We got another song, I think, right? All right. So God, we pray now for those at home. God, for those who, who may not know you and may just be jumping online right now. Oh God, we, we plead for their souls in this moment. God, open the eyes of their hearts. We, we come against the evil one who would want to blind them from seeing the glory of, of Christ. And so even right now, I pray that Spirit of God, you would work powerfully upon their hearts. God, bring conviction. Bring, bring about eyes to see the glories of this Jesus who lived for us and died for us and now reigns for us. God, would you do a wonderful work of redemption in their hearts? God, I pray that even during this season, perhaps even um, our kids would think twice about just what they need to trust in, who they need to go to, God, do a work even in, our, even in our children during this time. They recognize something in greater measure of the glory and beauty of this worthy lamb who is slain for us. And Lord, we... we we ask that you would um, also then keep the hearts of those who are fearful during this season, lonely during this season. God, be a shelter for them. Give them rich communion with you. God, teach us, teach us what it is to dive into relationship with you. There is more, there is more, there is more, there is more to be known of you. 
how in a moment with you, fears just kind of melt away. Loneliness melts away. Oh, Jesus, break into those fears and break into that loneliness. May rich communion be experienced during this season. God, awaken our hearts for those who would struggle with just kind of apathy during a season where our schedules are changed. We don't have the typical structures that we, we, we would normally have in daily life. Um, God, show us where our hearts really are at. Show us not to just show us, but show us so that we might be able to go deeper with you. God, teach us as your church that there is more. There is more. There's more to knowing you. There's more to relating with you. There's more of your glory to be realized and known. There's more of your manifest presence to be enjoyed. How we are so quickly drawn away to ordering our life, just kind of planning everything for the next day, the next week, the next month, the next season, thinking that we're accomplishing something, thinking that we're in control of something, thinking that we're actually ordering something. God, thank you for this divine disruption in our lives. But may we take, may we take the exhortation of that elder to behold this conquering lion, this lion who is a lamb, this lamb who was slain but now stands alive. Jesus, we honor you as the conquering king, the one who has died to defeat sin, but is alive as one who has also defeated death. Jesus, you are worthy of our praise. You are worthy to be the one who, who determines a better tomorrow for us, who sees the promises of God fully realized, who sees the new kingdom come in all of its fullness. Bring the kingdom Come, Lord Jesus, we desire to see your face. We desire to see the fullness of your work and your accomplishments. So work, we pray. Do a work. Worthy are you, Lord. We honor you. In Jesus' name.
two potential words of knowledge. Um, uh, one is for just uh, someone who's, who's enduring some pretty rough headaches during this season. Um, the headache is kind of behind the eye or the eyes, kind of traces back um, through the head, and it's pretty severe. So I just want to pray for you before we, we close. And, and also the Lord keeps bringing, um, keeps bringing to mind um, perhaps someone struggling with uh, just a prescription pill addiction. Um, that might be your prescription, that may not be your prescription. Um, but I, I believe in these moments that God, he wants to redeem you from it. He wants to save you from it. It's wreaking havoc on your life at this point. I believe that uh, he wants to save you from it. Um, it was, uh, some of that is part of my own story, struggling with alcohol and partying. And, and there was a point in time where God just showed up. I know for many of us, we, 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 we desire those times for just God to show up and like take care of the stuff that's going on in our hearts and lives. And sometimes he waits. But sometimes he's ready to act and we're just not ready for him to act. So even in my own story, it was God showing up in the midst of drunkenness and speaking to my soul saying, I can satisfy you in ways this drink could never satisfy. And that marked the beginning of him not only showing himself to me in ways that were beyond what I could ever have thought he would satisfy in me, but it was also that he gave me a very, a, almost instantly a, a distaste for the drunkenness that I was feeling in the moment. And it began a journey of of setting me free from thinking that substance would satisfy. There is one substance that satisfies, and his name is Jesus. That's why he's called the bread of life. That's why he says, hey, I can provide the sip that satisfies. He's the one who alone can satisfy the thirsty soul. So even tonight, I believe that the Lord would kind of want to step into your struggles where you may not even want him. You're, you're comfortable in that addiction. You recognize it's wreaking havoc, but you're comfortable there. 
I believe that the Lord would want to, even tonight, declare over you that he is the one who alone can satisfy your heart in ways you cannot imagine. So I want to pray for those two things and then perhaps close um, with the benediction. So Lord, right now, for those, uh, for the one who is suffering from a headache behind the eyes, we just pray in Jesus' name that you would bring uh, relief to that pain. We speak to the pain in Jesus' name and say, pain, go, go now. We pray that even right now, the strain behind the eyes would be relieved. Pain, go now in Jesus' name. Jesus, we love you as the healer. We thank you, O oh God, that you're one who doesn't stand off away from our pains and trials. You never, there is no pain that you say is too, too small for your attention. So Jesus, even right now, we pray that that pain would go. And I pray, Lord, if that is a spirit of affliction, we speak to that spirit and say, go now, you have no authority, in Jesus' name. And now, Lord, we pray for, um, we pray for this struggle with addiction. God, you, you alone are are that bondage breaker. You are the one who can undo our souls. You are the one who can um, bring hope and healing to the wounds of our souls. You, you are the great healer. You are the great rescuer. You are the one who even now stands enthroned. You are the conquering lamb. You are the lamb who is slain, who stands alive even now in resurrection power. And so it's in Jesus' name that we would pray that you would break this, this bondage, that you would break this addiction, that you would set this individual free, that you would set them free into your love, that they would know that you are the one who satisfies. So even right now, we just establish in Jesus' name that there would be a breaking to this bondage, that this individual would be set free in Jesus' name. So God, glorify yourself now in this moment. Um, I believe that this is, a, this is a woman who's suffering and I, I, I just see Christ, his arms around you. And him just, he, he, he's there to love you. He's there to care for you. Maybe there's other things that are uh, stirring this addiction. Circumstances are just too much for you. Life is just falling apart. It's fractured in more ways than you could count. Jesus is saying, he not only can break the bondage of addiction, but he's also the one who brings healing to all aspects of our brokenness. He'll walk you through that process, never leaving you, never forsaking you, but at every corner, demonstrating something of a greater measure, a greater dimension of his love for you. He knows every fracture in your life.
He knows where all the pieces belong. And he is the one who alone can mend your broken soul. So Jesus, may your love be known. May your redeeming power be known. We love you, Lord, and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Any last things? Sure. All right. All right, so Numbers chapter 6. The Lord bless you all, and may he keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you in greater ways, and may he be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you, and may he give you peace in Jesus' name. Thanks for joining us this evening. God bless you guys. Catch you soon.